It's a privilege to be here with you this morning. It's nice to see your faces. I want to say that. At least I think it is. I mean, I think it is because you could have been making faces on me for months and I wouldn't know it. And now I will. So we'll see how that go, turns out. But it, it's just great to be at this point and uh, to be able to celebrate that with you. Uh, whether you're here on our Canandaigua campus or part of our online campus or our Hopewell campus, which, by the way, starting last week was able to have live services once again. So we celebrate that with you. Um, we are excited to be able to be here together, to be able to be a part of seeing an individual baptized, a, a child dedication. We have more child dedications at next service. God is alive and well here at Crosswinds, and it is just great to see his work. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we concluded a series we called Ignited, where, Ignite, where we looked at the movement that Christ started 2,000 years ago that, that literally changed the world. And of course, now we're in this series, Connected, where we're looking at and discovering our temperaments, our personality, our gifts and abilities, and understand it's not just a wise thing to do. It's extremely helpful in our loving God and doing life with others well. And what we're going to look at together now really ties the two together in a way. We're going to look at character and calling. Character and calling. In fact, when I think of our mission as crosswinds, to know God and make him known, I believe that it's crucial that we understand what it means to have Christ-like character and understand our calling. And in order to really live the life that God's called us to live, not just as individuals, but as a church family, knowing God and making him known at the core is about connecting with God and others, desiring they connect with the Lord. Now, what do I mean by character? Character. Character is unique qualities impressed by nature or habits on a person, distinguishing one person from another. Now, where we get the term character is really quite telling. Our word character comes from a Greek word, which means an engraved mark made by a tool. An engraved mark made by a tool. It's sort of an interesting imagery if you think about it. Uh, but it's become a reference to a symbol of, of that which has been imprinted on someone's soul. So think about that. Character is something that's imprinted on our soul. Character is demonstrated in actions, but true character really resides in the heart, the core of who we are. And Christian character begins with faith in Christ and grows as we cooperate with the Spirit's work in our life, making us more like Christ in character. Sanctification, right? Becoming like Jesus in character and love and in his purpose and his priorities. And this is what we're looking at when we speak of character. Jesus, he's sharing this Sermon on the Mount. He's talking especially about love here. But look what he says, Matthew 5, 48. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, I don't know about you, that's pretty unnerving. I mean, of all the commands in Scripture, to be perfect as God is perfect uh, is one that stretches me quite a bit. And it can be quite overwhelming if we don't understand precisely what he is calling us to be perfect in. And the perfection spoken here is, is character, the character of Christ. Now, who's our model of perfect character? You know, Christ. Jesus is our model of perfect character. And we understand that on this side of paradise, none of us are going to be flawless. None of us are going to be flawless. But what Christ is calling us to is to aspire to an ever-growing Christ-likeness, from one form of Christ-likeness to a greater form of Christ-likeness by the power of the Spirit. Now, what is Christ-like character? 
Well, I wrote down a few things. Christ-like character is seen in holiness where a believer is devoted to God's desires rather than his own and carries his love and message into the world. That the very desires of God become our desires. We, we lay ourselves down and say, Lord, it's about you. It's not about me anymore. It, it, it's about you. Christ-like character is also demonstrated through ever-increasing maturity. With a Christ follower grows in maturity and wholeness growing one, from one form of Christ-likeness to a greater form of Christ-likeness. And we, I've already stated that, but I, it's worth mentioning again that we're on a journey together and our journey is to become more and more like Jesus. And, and you hear me say this almost every week because we have to be reminded of it. I know I'm not what I ought to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. I am a work in progress. I'm heading toward the goal, the prize of becoming like Jesus and, and being able to live with him for eternity. And then thirdly, Christ-like character is seen in the depth and breadth of our love where a Christian seeks to love God and others with the love of Christ. And if we're going to sum all that up, Christ calls all of his followers to have a character that rises above mediocrity and to mature in every area, becoming like him and partnering with the Holy Spirit to accomplish his mission. Now, by the way, that partnering with the Holy Spirit is the crucial element there. It's not something we can just sort of in our own way motivate ourselves to it. We can't work just hard and hard and hard and hard enough to get there. It's when we cooperate with the Spirit doing the work in our life each and every day throughout the things that happen in life that we're able to develop that Christ-like character. We truly are a people forged in fire, aren't we? That the good, the bad, and the ugly of life, when we give it to the Lord, when we give ourselves to the Lord, God uses to craft us into the very image of Christ. Again, not as Christian clones, but God redeeming our uniqueness and allowing the very spirit of Christ to reign through us. And now this is our calling. Now, what do I mean by calling? Christ's calling on believers connotes the ultimate destiny of believers as well as their participation in his continuing mission here on earth. And let me say that far too many believers focus on only on the destination, paradise. When, when God calls us to focus on that, yes, but, but, but we don't want to avoid the journey, living on mission with Jesus. And, and, and that's where you maybe heard someone say, well, they're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. And, and we understand probably what's meant by that. They're so focused on paradise, they forgot they're still living in the here and now. And that our prayer, our prayer is what? Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Use us. Use us, Father God, to make a difference in the world around us. The mission for each and every believer is the same. And, and among Christ's last words, it's a passage we look at quite a bit around here, and we ought to because it's our mission as a, as a Christ follower and as a church family, is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus is speaking, and he says, All authority... And heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Think about it. Among the last words of Christ are these words to go. And in your going, grow in the Lord, make disciples who will make disciples. Disciple making. Disciple making is is a core purpose of the church and every believer who makes up the church. 
And Jesus has a strategy for this. Jesus' strategy for increase is addition through discipleship. One person leading another to Christ and then walking alongside them and helping them grow in the knowledge of the things in Christ so that they can do the same in someone else. His plan for multiplication to the ends of the earth is by starting new what we'll call faith families, new churches. And those new churches do the same thing. And so there's addition and multiplication. I mean, when you think about it, you can't have multiplication without addition, but you can have addition without multiplication. And so both of these are to be a part of, of God's kingdom. It's, it's just like the multiplication of a biological family. It, it provides the context of this addition, this multiplication. And, and so 29 years ago almost, uh, I got married to my wife, Krista, and we started a new family. There was two of us. Then we had one child, then two child, then three child, right? So we had five of us now. Our family was five. And then my daughter got married. She started a new family, multiplication. My son got married. He started, my older son got married. He started a new family, multiplication. And then each of them had children. So they each have one child apiece. So we went from two to nine in three families right now. And if my youngest gets married, then there'll be four families. And when you think about that, that's the kingdom of God. One person telling another about Jesus, they receive Jesus, they're discipled, that's growing the family. Multiplication happens when we send someone out to start something new for God in a new place, and then addition happens, and then multiplication as they do the same. By the way, that's why we're sitting here in Canandaigua, New York, or wherever you're, you're participating online or at the Hopewell campus. The reason we're here is because not only did the church add, it multiplied. It went. And it's going, it made disciples. Does that make sense? Someone had to cross the sea to plant churches here. And that's why we exist. We can understand this call in really two tiers that need to be in alignment with one another. There's the primary and common calling, that's the first one, where we're to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. But the second is our secondary calling. I like Ephesians 2.10 when, when we look and understand our secondary calling. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I mean, as we look around the room, we understand that not everyone in this place has the same gifts and abilities. We're wired differently. Some of us are wired to do one thing, some another, and it takes all of us as part of God's kingdom to make a difference. And it takes all of us in our particular vocations and jobs and in schooling, where we find ourselves in order to really be the church that God has called us to be. And yet we're to keep our secondary calling underneath our primary calling, or to be quite honest with you, in our Christian walk, we will get quite wacky. That's a theological term, by the way. We will. That if we lose the, the, the whole point that no matter what we're doing, disciple-making should be the core of that job, we will not fulfill what God's called us to fulfill. Now, that's true no matter what we find ourselves doing for our life. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a student. Maybe it's a clerk. Maybe it's a mom. Maybe it's a dad. No matter what it is, there's that discipleship element to it. In my marriage, there's a discipleship element at its core. That my real commitment to my wife above everything else is to make sure that I can do everything in my power to help her become as much like Jesus as she can. Her commitment is to do the same for me. 
My commitment as a father above everything else is to model what it means to walk with Jesus and to help them grow in Christ. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You say, well, I'm in a job where I can't talk about Jesus. You certainly can live like him, Mo. Come on now. You can live in such a way that people ask you questions. You can live in such a way that they encourage people. You have something I don't have. Well, let me tell you about it. God calls all of us to be a part of making disciples. Here's an interesting fact. Every believer, and I want to encourage you this morning, every believer has the capacity and call to participate in the multiplication movement of God. Every single one of us. Say, Greg, how do you know? Well, first of all, because the Bible tells me so. And I've lived it. I've been in those moments of, of, of personal inadequacy. Have you ever been there where in and of yourself, you don't necessarily have the knowledge or the giftings, but, but for whatever reason in the day, you found yourself in that particular situation. And, and there's the times where I go, God, I think you probably could have picked someone else. And he goes, well, I could have, but I picked you. You know, and, and, and all of a sudden, the spirit of God is more than enough. Have you been there? Like, like in our inadequacy, when we give that to God, us plus God is always enough. And he works and he moves in such a powerful way in those moments. In fact, it's, it's in those moments where we don't feel adequate in of ourselves that we're most dependent on the spirit where we're most dangerous in a positive way for the kingdom of God. Because it's God working through us, not us trying to manufacture a moment. God's call is for us to be disciple multipliers. Now, what's a disciple? A disciple is a believer living out the, the great commandment in the spirit of the great, in the spirit of the great, I mean, the great commission, living out the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment. That's easy for me to say. The great commission we looked at, what is that? It's, it's, it's making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. The great commandment, to love God with everything and then to love others with the love he's poured into our life. What a blessing that is. What, what, what moments of, of pure miracle when our natural self would have responded differently but God's love shines through. Ever been there? Ever been proud not of yourself but what God is doing in yourself? overwhelmed by his goodness. Probably my favorite definition of a disciple is this, however. A disciple is a person who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and committed to the mission of Jesus. Following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and committed to the mission of Jesus. All three of those things are necessary to be a true, obedient, loving disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, as Crosswinds, we have a vision framework that speaks to our character and our calling. It's going to be up on the screen. Yes. It's going to stay up there as I talk through it. And, and you'll see the framework. The framework's made up of mission, strategy, values, and measures. And, and you've seen many of these things all across the building in picture form and words. But our mission is really simple. It's to know God and make him known. To know God and make him known. That, that's to, that, no matter how a believer or a church words it, we share that mission. It's the same, no matter what. But we at Crosswoods, we've also sort of uh, narrowed us down for us a little bit. We said we will meet children, teens, and adults, wherever they are in their spiritual journey, to encourage and equip them to take their next step in their relationship with God and others to advance his kingdom. Multi-generational, that we have this belief that the generations worshiping together, growing together is the way that God really wants to see his church function the best. 
And, and so we want to know God and make him known. We have a strategy for that. And, and we'll reach people with the love and message of Jesus Christ so that they'll take that step to believe. And then we'll raise them up into what it means to belong to God in his church and become the person that they've been created to be as we release them to bless others with the blessings they've received from God. In other words, our strategy is really simple. It's three R's. It's, it's, it's to reach, raise, and release. And the four movements in our discipleship strategy is equally simple when you think about it. It's to believe, belong, become, and to bless. And that's what God has called us to do. You say, well, that seems simple. And yet when you look at Scripture and the history of the church, it's that simple strategy and those simple movements that has radically changed the world for Jesus Christ. It's world-changing. But it's also life-transforming. Amen, church? As we grow together, the values, we've got five values. So we sort of say, no matter what we do, we want these values seen in what we do as crosswinds. We want to be biblically and prayerfully rooted. We want to be disciple makers, generous living, culturally relevant, and extravagant love. Biblically and prayerfully rooted, my guess this is a little self-explanatory. The Bible is our authority. Uh, we believe it cover to cover. We take it literal unless the word tells us not to take it literal. And, and, and we believe that the word of God is, is the authoritative word of our Lord and, our, and really our our instruction manual on how to live the life God's called us to live, right, church? And prayer releases, I want to say it again, prayer releases the resources of heaven on earth. And so everything we do, we want to make sure that we're in alignment with the word of God, being instructed with the word of God, but that we're praying, that we're dependent on the very spirit of God to do the work that he's called us to do. Disciple makers, well, we've been looking at that. So everything we do, we, we ask, does that have a disciple-making component to it. Generous living. What do we mean by generous living? That we're generous with what? Our time, our talent, our treasure, and our testimony. All four of those things. God, they're your words. I want to be generous with that stuff. I want to make sure it's building your kingdom. Culturally relevant. I've had some people say, I don't like that statement. It's, it's okay. You don't have to like it, but it is one of our values. It, it culturally relevant simply means we're going to Use the resources at our disposal to take the unchanged message of Jesus Christ, the unchanging message of Jesus Christ, to a changing culture. You do realize that the apostles did not have email. No social media, which may not have been a bad thing. No social media. No podcast. They weren't able to have an online campus or a campus at Hopewell that's being broadcast even now as, as we're meeting here. And so we want to make sure that we are using the things at our disposal in a culturally relevant way to share the message of Jesus Christ to those around us. There were no electric guitars when the apostles met for worship. They missed out, I think. But, but we understand these things, and, and we want to be able to continually make sure that we're being culturally relevant to the culture around us with the unchanging message of Jesus Christ. And the last is extravagant love because no one loves more than God. I just want to make sure there's, there's, there's that love, rooted in the word love. And then the measures. Well, what are the measures? The measures really speaks to who, who we believe we want to be as disciples of Jesus Christ. When we look at Scripture, we chose five things that we said, these are just sort of a picture of a disciple of Jesus. And we not only want it to be reflected in our lives, but in the lives of those who were helping grow as disciples. And, and so we want to reflect Christ's character. We've talked about that a little bit this morning, so I won't camp there too long. Sacrificial kingdom service, engaged in sacrificial kingdom service. 
Now, let me, let me be really clear here. I'm not just talking about ministries on Canandaigua campus. I mean, I'm talking about sacrificial kingdom service wherever you find yourself. It, it, it changes the way you look at the world when you realize wherever God has placed you, he's placed you there for a greater purpose than what you're just seeing on your own. In other words, many of you will go to Wegmans this afternoon. I know that because I've made a mistake of going too. And, 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 and we've joked that it could be our third camp, our, our fourth camp, our, our third campus, right? And, and, and here's the thing. You may be going there to get lunch. You may be going there to pick up food so you can have lunch and dinner or whatever throughout the week. God has you there for a bigger purpose. And when you allow yourself to see life that way, doors open, which are amazing. I learned years ago that those who have faith stories have them because they've stepped out in faith. Seems self-explanatory, doesn't it? Until you've done it. And you just realize how God uses those opportunities. They, they maintain, uh, sustained by, dependent upon God's spirit. There's the third one, dependent upon God's spirit. In other words, we don't want to do a work that we could do in our own strength. We want to do a work that we could do in, in God's strength and God's strength alone, God-sized kingdom work. Sustained by God's word and prayer. And then multiplying Christ followers. How many of you say that's a pretty good picture of a disciple? And so as we look at our framework, what's that framework do? It surrounds our vision. Like when we think about what, man, what do we want to see God continue to do in and through crosswinds? Where is he leading us? It's all about releasing the church to reach our region and beyond. We ask God to bless our gatherings so we can be a blessing as we scatter. And when I talk about <laughs> gatherings, I don't just mean here in this room. I'm talking about an online campus, Hopewell campus, or children's ministry, our student ministry, our one-on-one discipleship, small groups. Whenever we get together as a church, that God would bless that in such a way that we would be ready to go out and be a blessing to the world around us. That God never blesses an individual or a people without the intention that that blessing would be passed on to the world around us. He says to Abraham, Father Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to the nation. He says to you this morning, I will bless you so you can be a blessing to your homes and your neighborhoods and your schools, your workplaces. He says that to us. And so that's, that's a key to our vision. We want to be growing disciple makers, living every day as everyday missionaries in our everyday mission field. You may not know this, but I pray for you as crosswinds every single morning. And one of my key prayers is, Lord, wherever part of my crosswinds family steps their foot, May they claim that place for Jesus. Every morning I pray that over us. Wherever we step our feet, wherever we find ourselves, we would claim that place for Jesus. Like, like when I was in school, they, they talked about prayer wasn't allowed in school, and I thought, well, that's interesting because I prayed in school all the time, usually before a test. But no, I prayed for school. I prayed in school all the time. So you can't take prayer out of school if there's a Christian in that school. You say, well, my company won't let me speak outwardly about Jesus, but you can pray. I'm not telling you to stand up on your desk and have a prayer time with all the workers around you, but you can pray. You can pray when you're driving. I just suggest you don't close your eyes. God is present and working. He's a first witness, but when we get there, and he wants to work in and through us in such an amazing way. And so here, here's a key at Crosswinds. You might have picked this up. We're a very simple church. We don't, we don't measure our success by the number of ministries we have. 
We measure our success by the number of ministers we send out every week. That we believe that although God does something on this particular campus and Hopewell campus and in the homes that are watching us, um, that a lot of the ministry is going to happen outside the walls of this building. That if this building wasn't even here, but God's church could still flourish. In fact, even during shutdown, as we're now here with no mask on, what a great thing. But even when, when the campus was closed, the church never closed. God continued to work. Disciples continued to be made. One-on-one discipleship continued to happen. Small groups were added, by the way, during that time. That's a work of God, by the way. That, that's when a movement is truly happening. It's multiplication. We've looked at this from, from one-to-one discipleship to small groups planning small groups, the churches, campuses and campuses, the churches planning campuses, and movements planning movements. I celebrate when someone is in a one-on-one discipleship ministry. But I really celebrate when that person who was discipled starts another one, and they start another one, start another one, multiplication. I celebrate every small group we have. But I celebrate even more when a small group sends out another small group. Pick up the theme here. I celebrate the fact that we have a campus where we can meet, but I celebrate that we have a campus on Hopewell. And that because of technology, we have online campuses of people who are literally getting together with their families in different parts now of the region and even parts of the country in order to, to be a part of this church and, and hopefully be able to maybe birth a new church family where they find themselves. This church planted Little Lakes, which isn't far from here. This church right now is, is coming alongside Inspire Church in West Henrietta, which is a multicultural church where, where Sam and Pal Coon are, are, are starting this, this new work. And you say, well, I haven't heard a lot about it. Well, partly it was because their first... I mean, their first, like, being a church was two weeks before shutdown a year ago last March. Can you imagine being so excited about what God wanted to do in an area showing up and being told you can't get outside your house? God still worked. They had an Easter service where they had nearly 50 people show up and, and, and praise the Lord this past Easter. Think about that. That when, when man doesn't see opportunity, God sees possibility. Movement to movement. Well, what's that mean? Everything isn't about crosswinds. It's all about God. And so we have individuals in our church, such as Pastor Betty and, and, and some others, actually, who sit on what we call the District Board of Ministerial Development. Our district encompasses part of New York and Pennsylvania. And they actually work with ministry students who are going into vocational ministry. And, and they, they are all over. The, our district, they are all over the country when they come out of us. Yes, our church has benefited from that, but, but let me tell you something. A, a movements are started through that thing. Pastor Chris not only leads our one-on-one discipleship in small groups here, he works with other churches in our district and other parts of the country, by the way, helping them establish these one-on-one discipleship ministries. Movement to movement. I have the privilege of being our regional um, multiplication director for our district. There's five of us throughout our district who work together to see churches planted all over the place in this part of New York and Pennsylvania. Movement to movement. So what God is doing in and through our church is so much bigger than ourselves and all for his glory. And, and I look at our framework and, and I think the framework is impossible for not found in Christ and growing in Christ, knowing God. The framework is impossible for not living on mission with Christ, making him known. 
And the simple truth is we need to be connected with God and for heaven's sake, others. We believers need to grow in Christ-like character. Christian character begins with faith in Christ and grows as we cooperate with the Spirit's work in our life, making us more like Christ in character. Here's Christ's call for us. We looked at it. Christ's call for us as his followers is to have a character that rises above mediocrity and mature in every area, becoming like him and partnering with his Spirit to accomplish his mission. And we believers need to be committed to the call. Christ's calling on believers connotes not only our ultimate destiny, but as well as participation in his continuing mission here on earth. I'm excited that, that it's, it's really the formation of our character and understanding of our calling that assists us to live rightly and to connect with God and others. This impacts everything. This impacts everything. It, it'll transform a marriage. It'll transform a home. It's no small thing that we saw a baptism this morning. It's no small thing that we as a church family were able to celebrate a child dedication. That's generational impact, church. The church is alive and well. It it, it impacts our neighborhoods. It impacts our schools, our workplaces. God is not done with you. And God is not done with our region. God is not done with our country. God is not done with the world. Do you believe that? He's active. How do I know? Because we're here. And may God use us to be his hand and feet. As he blesses gathering, may he bless us as we scatter. May we be everyday missionaries in our everyday mission field, wherever we find ourselves. May that place never be the same again because of what Jesus is doing in and through us. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much just for the privilege of being a part of what you're doing here at Crosswind. I I never take it for granted. You are doing amazing work in and through the lives of your people. God, I thank you that, that we were able to celebrate a baptism this morning and child dedications and Lord, again, we don't take that lightly. Every person who says yes to you is a precious, precious person, a person you died for, a person you want to give resurrection power to. And so, God, I pray that as we continue to to be the church you've called us to be, that, Lord, we would give ourselves to you in such a way that our character would reflect that of Christ and that we would be united in you in calling. But the world would know. But the world would know you, Father God, as we continue to make you known. In Jesus' name we pray.